thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you started. Thank you for what you're going to do. Uh, that you just lead us and guide us. Open, open up our hearts to what you want to do. Just have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to start by telling you a, a quick story um, about a man named Wanderer. And Wanderer was living in this valley, this valley of like fire and light, but life. And, and Wanderer had three kids. And like when he first named the first one, it wasn't very creative. He named it Father because he had just become a father. And the second one was Fighter. And the third one was Future. And so he had these three kids and he's got these amazing kids and he's loving life and he's enjoying his life there. And unfortunately, Future dies in this city and he realizes like actually the, the picture of what he was dreaming of of his life of what he's what he was hoping for for his boys for his sons and what they would lead to has died in the city and he thinks actually he needs to move on so father takes takes a wife and he he finds a wife named princess and marries her and it's like this is he's going to start a family because he's father and but princess can't, can't have kids. And then fighter, like he's, he's strong. He's going to one-up his, his older brother. And so he marries his queen. And he, he, queen is like incredibly fruitful. And because it's like they're a fighter and a queen, it's like the way that just leads to life. And they end up having like eight kids. And it's like everything seems to be working for them. But like the original wanderer is not happy. He's not happy there anymore because the whole city is a reminder of the son that he's lost and the future that he's lost. So he's like, no, I, I need to go on a journey. And I'm going to leave this valley of fire and light and I'm going to go on a journey to the, like the land of provision, to the land of promise, to the land that's actually going to give me what, what I need. And along the way, he's traveling and he's traveling and he's traveling and he, he finds himself at this city just this incredible like intersection of just life and commerce and it's like man maybe this is the way that the world is supposed to be there's just this incredible city of the future and it's like actually I've, I've left my son future but I've actually found the city of the future and I'm actually going to stay here because life is pretty good it's like he was on a journey of actually going to the land of provision but he's like hey man this is actually pretty good and there's, there's a God that they serve there. And it's actually this like moon God. And it's like the, the moon God is a, a dim reflection of the sun, but it's actually powerful. And it's because there's, there's life and there's entertainment and there's something of the entertainment of the night as part of the city. But Wanderer finds that this is actually a pretty good place to settle down. Even though he's like, he has a nickname, which is like the old goat. And so he's... He, it's like he's actually found this place and he's going to settle down there. So instead of leaving like the old place and heading all the way into the land of promise, into the land of provision, he ends up dying in the city of the future and not making it all the way into the land of provision. If you guys don't know, that's a picture of the story of Terah. Terah is the father of Abram. And Abraham is the one who actually gets called out of that city. And he gets called into the land of promise. But the journey was actually started by his father. 
but he missed out on the fullness of what I believe God had for him because he, he decided to actually settle for what was comfortable, to settle halfway along the journey at like the intersection, at the, the city of Haran, which is like basically it's named after his son who was Haran. And they decided to actually stay there, which was actually the crossroads, the intersections. It was at a place where there was a lot of life and there was a lot of like commerce because it was a, this intersecting city. And they actually chose to settle there rather than moving all the way on to Canaan, <coughs> which is actually the land of humility, the land of trusting God, the land of provision. But for there to be a godly divine provision, we actually have to trust God which is tough because it's like it's one thing to say actually I want to go into the land of like godly provision but are you willing to actually trust God for that provision because that's what it takes because that land of provision is not the land of fighting and worldly ways of getting it of the fighting and the queen of finding their way it's actually of trusting it's the land of the father and the princess that are barren that don't have what it takes of actually saying, God, I'm going to trust you for my future. And I believe God's got us as a church on a situation like this. So there's one story of Abram coming all the way from the top down into the land of promise. And then what we've been going through as a church is Ephesians, but using the story of the Exodus, of going up from the land of Egypt, going up into the land of promise. And there's a stage where the Israelites get on the border and the border is the Jordan River. And they're sitting there just before they're about to cross over. And they're ready and they want to go over. And the first time they were there, they sent the spies in. And two come back with a good report that it's like, man, this land is good. We can do this. We can go. And most of the people are just like, no, that's terrible. Like, that's terrifying. Do you not see how big they are? Do you not see that we can't do this? We don't have any weapons. We don't have what it takes. We don't have what we need to actually take the land. But some people say, you know what? God is in this. I don't necessarily understand. This is not the way I wanted it. This is not the way that I thought it would go. But I believe God is in this because God is taking us into a future. A future that I might not understand, but is better than I ever dreamt of. Because it's the land of provision. But that land of provision is also the land of humility. Because it's actually saying, it's not me that does this. It's not the ways I would have wanted to. But it's actually, I'm trusting God with this. So, anyway. Jesus tells a story the one time of the two brothers. Luke 15 the parable of the prodigal son, you've probably known it as, where the younger brother or father has two sons, the older brother and the younger brother. The younger brother comes to the father and says, actually, I want my inheritance. I want to go and spend it. It's like, I don't want to stay with you and do the right thing. And he goes off and he makes all the mistakes under the sun. It's like, I can relate to that one. It's, he's done all of the wrong things and he's spent his entire and then he comes to himself and he realizes when he's in a pigsty and he's lost all of his money, he spends it all on prostitutes and crazy living. And he comes to the end of himself and he says, actually, if I go back to my father, maybe he'll restore me. If I can just be a servant in his house, I'll, I'll do the right thing. Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll work hard and maybe God will have a future for me. 
And there's that picture of, we, we love telling that story. It's like, yeah, it's the prodigal son. Because we need to realize that we are sinners and we have to come back to God and repent. Then God will have a future for us. And that's a picture of the story. But like the son, the prodigal son, the, the younger son, comes to the end of himself. And he actually comes back to Jesus. But that story in Luke 15 is actually told to the Pharisees who believed they were too good. Like, they believed they were so good they didn't actually need to repent. They believed they were the chosen people. So the story is actually highlighted to show this older brother that when the younger brother comes back and he's included and he's celebrated (coughs) and the father throws this party for him, He's like, Dad, how can you do this? I've been here doing all the right things and you've never celebrated me like this. I've been, I've been good. I deserve better. I deserve to like, have everything. And actually, it's like he doesn't realize that he was just serving himself in a sense. It's like he was doing all the right things so that he could get the dad's stuff. Just as much as the younger brother said, I just want your stuff, Dad. I just want my life to be fine. And Jesus tells the story, and it's, it's not a real story, it's a parable. So it's like Jesus has crafted it in such a way to highlight the fact that the older brother is actually left outside because he doesn't realize. And I want to say like the picture of how Abram gets into the promised land and how the Israelites cross is actually two pictures of the older brother. Because the one needs to realize that actually I've done it all my own way and I've tried to fight and I've tried to do this but I actually I need to be humbled and I need to be laid low and I need to realize that I need to trust God it's not about doing all the right things but it's actually about walking in humility and then the from the other side where you've got the Israelites that have come with a mindset of slavery and they actually need to realize that they are sons and daughters that they need to be raised up so that they can actually be the people of God. Because God has like this preferred future for us. And Tim Keller, when he, he, does, he does a whole series on the prodigal son, which he actually calls the prodigal God. Because the picture of prodigal is, like the word prodigal, actually means somebody that spends like lavishly and crazily. It's like we've turned it into like the prodigal son is like the one that's lost. The prodigal actually means somebody that just gives away like generously, lavishly. And the story is not about the younger son or the older brother. The story is actually about a prodigal God that wants to give generously and generously and generously. And what's missing in the story is actually a true older brother. The true older brother that is willing to leave the comfort and convenience of this city of the future, city of possibilities, the city of heaven, actually, for the sake of finding the younger brother that was lost. Or the older brother that's actually lost (coughs) in his arrogance. And that was Jesus. Jesus is actually the true older brother that was willing to leave heaven for the sake of you and me understanding God. So that we can step into the fullness of the, the future that we get. So that's my challenge to you. I don't have a long message today. But basically, it's that you would not settle for comfort or convenience. 
but actually you'll keep trusting God for the fullness of what he has for you. So we're going to do communion now. As we do communion, my challenge to you, my call to you, is that you would never settle in your own life. That you'd always be willing to leave the valley of provision, the valley that you know. You'll move past the city of like the future, of where it's tempting to settle down, where you actually don't know. It can be confusing, standing at like the crossroads. You might not know which way to go, left, right, go straight. But you'll trust God that He'll show you and lead you and guide you. I was tempted to use Paul when he's in Acts 16. And he's like, I think I need to go this way. And God stops him. And then I think I need to go this way. And God stops him. And so he's like, okay, God, I'll wait for you to give me a vision of where you actually want us to go. Lord, our Warren prayed. You say, here we are. Send us, Lord. Each and every one of us, Lord, I pray that you'd say, send us into the future that you have for us. I pray that you would help us to understand who you are. We would dive into your word to understand what you are like, God, who you are, how you lead us and guide us. Sometimes through prophetic words, sometimes through just your word, sometimes just by your very nature. You lead us and you guide us and you teach us how to hear your voice, teach us how to follow your leading. Sometimes you use just obstacles in our way to lead us and guide us. I pray that you'd speak to everyone here today of what you have for them, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I say that because <clears throat> we have some news to share with you. Um, but Michelle will give a bit more of the backstory and we'll share a little bit of everything that God has been showing us and teaching us and leading us. This has been a journey that started at least 15, 16 years ago for me. And there's many, many uh, twists and turns along the way. Okay. It, originally, this actually started many years ago where I thought God called me to actually plant a church. And I was like, cool, that sounds great. But I don't have the personality. I don't have the gifting. I don't have the ability to do it. And we were part of like a, a church planting network. So they would often call people to these leadership meetings. And like, I really felt I wanted to go do this. But I felt a deep insecurity inside of myself that I could not do it. So then they called for a second row of like, who would go forward and support? And I'm like, cool, I'll say yes to that God. Because I'm saying yes, but I'm not arrogant enough to say that I could do the, like the full thing. It's like I would go with. And God planted that in my heart many, many years ago. And it sat there for a long time. And for many years, at least a decade, I spent just diving into God and getting to know who, who He is, 
getting to know the word, getting to know how God leads and guides and shows us. And then we, we went to Australia with um, my in-laws and our entire family. And while we were there, while we were there, I, was, I went for a run the one day and I'm like, God, show me, show me what you have for us as a family, as a future. And one of the places where I went for a run was in Brisbane, Australia, and there's a, there's a place called Jacob's Ladder. And I, I'm like, okay, maybe God's speaking to me through this. I'm like, how often do you find a little biblical reference while I'm running, like literally just around the corner from where we were staying? And I'm like, okay, Jacob's Ladder, I'm going to, maybe I, I must read Jacob, like Jacob's dream. So in Genesis 28, verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. Ironically, that's what we were speaking of today, where Jacob was actually leaving the house of God based, or like, and going towards Haran, the city of like the future. So he was actually running away from where he was supposed to be. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones uh, of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. And those words just jumped out at me. We're saying, like, actually, I will bring you back to this land, and I'll give it to you and your descendants. And I'm like, Okay, that's a nice story, but there's no way that's actually going to happen. But then we came back and we just kind of like tucked it away. And nearly a year later or six months later, we were just praying again and saying, God, I need you to show me what's next. And we were down in Neisner visiting my, my family. And I felt God lead me like basically like follow this car and then like turn here and I was like okay I don't know what you're doing God but eventually I get to this lookout spot which is basically like I don't know if you've seen it it's near wilderness where the river forms the shape of Africa and I was standing there and I'm like God if, if you're calling us to somewhere else I felt God saying would you say goodbye to Africa for me and it was one of the hardest things I think I had to do in my life because I've grown up believing that I was called to, to plant a church and to lead and guide and love people in Africa. And I felt like God was... Yeah. God was asking us to say goodbye to that for something else. And all I could say was, was yes, as hard as it was. I said, I have to have the fullness of what you have for us, God. In spite of the, like the temptation to actually say, but, but do you have a plan here too? But you, you're going to work here too. I felt there was something that God had prepared us for outside of this. And so I'm like, okay, God. If that's the case, we'll, we'll go, we'll do it. And this was in like 2020, in the midst of like COVID lockdown. So 
did not make sense whatsoever. There was no way of us getting out, but we just felt like, God, you're going to do this. So we started the process of saying, like, actually, God, if you're sending us, show us how to go. And so we actually, we, yeah, we, we, one day we just told, um, we felt to tell our kids, like, look, I think this is what God is preparing us for. And, and then he started with just ridiculous confirmations. I mean, Eva read her book that night, and the main character was Mrs. Brisbane. Um, the next day, we met a couple at church that no one else was available to take them around for a tour, and they were from Brisbane. Um, we ordered burgers, and there was Brisbane on the box. Um, was it Christian who preached? Christian preached a preach, and it was recorded um, in, it, so back when we were in 3CI, and um, Andrew wasn't meant to be in the recording, but he was there. And Christian was, he knew nothing about what was going on in us. And he preached, if God is calling to Australia, you must go to Australia. And we looked at each other like, what? You know? And it was just like, we couldn't hide from it under a rock if we tried. And it, I've got a book, I've got a book full of confirmations versus words. Like, um, and so at that stage, we prayed and we felt sign up with a migration agent and we did, you know, the whole paperwork, the whole applications and tests and whatever and sent it in and they told us there's very little chance of you getting in and all of that. Um, and then we had a friend who said to us, he had a word, he said, um, we'll go to Australia, but before we go, there'll be a detour. A happy detour, but a detour. And we had another couple say to us, like, be prepared, this could be like a two-year process. But we were like super gung-ho, God has spoken to us, you know, he's going to do this, we're going. And then it was like second wave of COVID and they shut down everything, everywhere for like two years. And um, at that stage, we were like, okay, God, we don't know what's happening. You've spoken so clearly, but now. And then um, it was a July of 2021 when um, 3CI was finishing up its building project and um, Rory just said to us, look, take July and pray for what the next season is for you guys. Because we just, we didn't know what was next, but everyone knew there was a season change. And that's when we prayed and we felt, um, what did God say to you, love? Part of the dream that we had while I was just in Australia, was, it was a vision of how to do church in a, in a different way. And I think it explains some of my desire to, to break out of a more conventional-like style of church because it was just like going through the parks and meeting people there. And like when, when we were there, it's, it's not the easiest place to meet like strangers or anything, but we just had such, like, yeah, such favor in meeting some of the people while we were there. Um, and we had this vision of actually starting one by one of ministering to people in the park. And it was this strange vision of doing church together, of living together, of exercising together. And I had this vision, it's like we could do it there. And then I had one conversation with Jan here, and I felt God say, what you plan to do there, do here first. And I'd, like, I'd never thought of that, where it was like, oh, yeah, that just makes sense. It's because we couldn't, we couldn't manufacture an open door. We couldn't like, get visas or anything. And it was just God said, 
do here first what you wanted to go and do. And I, I can actually say what we started has actually led to what we're a part of here. That's like Stephen and Belinda wouldn't be here without me meeting Justin in the park. And yeah, it comes back to those like initial insecurities where, man, I'm the biggest introvert in the world. Yet people in the church here are because of what God has done like miraculously through me. Meeting Hamman just around the corner at like thirst. And it's like, it's not me who would generally go and just speak to complete strangers of saying, God has got something for you and there's a future for you. And, um, and so then when we, we started um, Trinity and stuff, we just put that to bed. We're like, you know what, maybe one day, five, ten years, maybe when the kids are out of school, maybe that's what God planned, you know? And we just put it out of our minds and we're like, cool, we are here building this now. And that was wonderful. Until the end of last year. Um, because, so I told you before, we signed up with this migration agency and then we just figured, okay, everything is shut, like the end. And then the end of last year when they started opening everything up, they were like asking us to resubmit expressions of interest, which is just like all your paperwork. Um, there's a long, it's like a whole convoluted process, but that was like step one. And we didn't even like realize that that's what they were asking us to do because they kept emailing us and we were like, leave us alone, we're doing this, just leave us alone now. And then they eventually phoned us and they're like, please just sign this thing. And I said to Andrew, just sign it, and then they'll leave us alone. Because in my head, it's like, let them submit. Nothing's going to happen. It will fall flat the end, you know? And they leave us alone. And then, the 4th of January this year, I had a dream. Now, God speaks to me a lot through dreams. So, in this dream, we were all, like, packing up um, neighbors, everyone, in the night. Um, there was, like, political unrest in the country, and we were fleeing. And so, um, and I felt the... Like, God gave me the words, 200 days. And then when I woke up, I was panicking because I'm like, God, what is going to happen with the country? You know, we're going to have to, like, flee the country, like, you know? And I just felt him say, no, this dream is about Australia. I'm telling you to get ready and get packed. And then Andrew and I were like, uh, psh, whatever, like, this is, we're just making this up now. And... Um, like I even got Granny to pray and she prayed for confirmation. God gave her a dream and she also felt it was about Australia. But we were like, you know what? We can't be double-minded here. Like we'll put it on the shelf. I'm like, fine, whatever. Like God, if you're really doing it, you'll do it. We need to be busy here. Like this is where our hearts are. And then um, one week after that dream, um, we got an invitation from the Australian government. So at first we were like, what is this? Then we remembered, oh, yes they did ask us to sign stuff in November. So this is what that's about. Um, and that's where it got interesting because then we had to really pray um, because our hearts are here. We love everyone so much. It was so confusing. And we just said, God, okay, fine, we'll respond to this, but we're not even going to put any hope in it. We're just going to trust you and give ourselves 100% here because we just can't entertain these things. Like, we want 
We want to be here. This is where everything we love is. Our friends, our family. And then um, that invitation got approved. And um, that's where it got really serious because now it was like, okay, now they invite you to actually apply for a visa. And up until then, it was kind of like, then it got real because it's, number one, it's just like very expensive. And it was just like a big step. And we just wrestled so much. Like, I think there's a month where I was like fully depressed because I was like, God, I can't. I can't leave the, these people. I can't leave them. We love them. I don't want anyone to be hurt by church. I don't want them to feel abandoned or betrayed. We love them so much. Like, how can you do this? Like, what is happening here? And he just gave us such peace that he was going to take care of everyone. He, he kept telling us, these are not your sheep. These are my sheep. I will look after them. And so, yeah, we just... We, we felt like we must apply for this visa, and so we did. And, and God just even confirmed it then. I mean, we had to do stupid things like unabridged birth certificates, which take like six to eight weeks. We walked in there, applied for his, couldn't apply for mine because my application was on the system, even though I'd never applied, at a branch that they couldn't even tell me which branch it was. So we had to go searching Pretoria for this alleged branch I'd applied at. Eventually got in there, spoke to someone that, because um, Andrew takes his marriage registrations in there, so he spoke to one of those ladies. Before he knew it, she had printed his, and then we said, no, we're asking about mine. She had printed mine, and then we walked out in like one or two hours with two birth certificates that should take six to eight weeks, and we're like, well, God, you know, if you're doing this, then, you know, and um, I'll just fast forward to exactly 200 days after I had the dream. So obviously I told you, God told me in the dream 200 days. Exactly, exactly 200 days after that dream, we got our visas. And it was, it's hard to like deny that that was God because like not even a migration agent can tell you a time frame. They're like five months to 18 months. No one knows anything. It's like, and God can tell you to the day and it's like, and we just have to trust him. And, um, and even three years ago, I had a whole bunch of dates that God gave me. And I thought they meant something then. Didn't mean anything. And then this year, when all this was happening, he reminded me of it. And I went and I looked. And it was date for date. An exact timeline of the whole process. The date when we got approved. The date when we applied for our visa. The date, like timelines, like our police clearance, like how long it took. I had all those dates beforehand. And I was like, man, if this is not God, then I don't know, I don't know what is. So the major part for me was, uh, it's like, God, but you've entrusted people to us and people have trusted <coughs> us and sacrificed for this and contributed towards this. And I'm like, I don't want to be dishonoring to that. And... I woke up the one morning and I was praying about it. So it was like half past four in the morning. And I was, God, like, how can you ask me to do this? And how can you? And he was just like, like Michelle said, it's like, fine, hand it over. And I'm like, no, but what, what do you mean just hand it over? Yeah. I looked over at the clock and it was 4.37. And instantly it just felt like John 4.37. 
so I'm like, okay, what is that? For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And I felt like God saying, actually, you've done this for other people to walk into the fullness of it. Mm. That actually what you've started here is not for your benefit, it's actually for somebody else. And I realized that actually as I was preparing for this morning, like you think about the, the Israelites just before they cross over the Jordan. What happens is they transition from Moses to Joseph. Joshua, that's it. And it's like about three, four weeks ago, just before um, we actually started telling people about like what God was doing, was Patrick came to me and he said, like, I've got a word for you. And I'm like, okay, great. Like he's, he was praying for us and he was praying for Trinity Central and he, was, and he said, like, actually, I've got a word for you. And he said, the leaders you have now are not the leaders I have for you. I will give you new leaders. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So in his head, he's like, oh, no, God's going to give you leaders to come and support you. And I'm like, you don't have a clue of what's actually happening. But it was such a confirmation that actually... Yeah, we, we were praying and we knew that we had to hand this over. And God had clearly shown us who it was going to be. That Barry and Rebecca are, are going to be taking over from us. And so we've spoken to a couple of people and we were just like, man, like, I mean, firstly, there were people that figured this out months ago and just like spoke to us and it's like, hey, what's happening with Australia? And it was just like, there was no way of hiding it. So it's, it's not just we've come up with a plan, it's God has confirmed it through, like, we're chatting to Dean and Steph specifically. Dean was completely at peace, so we were praying, oh God, show us who, who the right people are. And then just the way that Barry and Rebecca took such responsibility of the church without knowing anything of what, got, what was actually coming. And, hmm, yeah. Partly, I just, I can't start talking about Barry and Rebecca because when they first joined our life group, that's many, many years ago, we used to joke about Barry that he was basically Jesus. He was a 33-year-old carpenter studying theology, and if you know him, he's just he's the most Christ-like person I know. It's like... I don't know if I've ever heard you say a bad word about anybody. Like, for real. I've seen you just love people and care for them. You have the heart of a pastor. And for me, that is what qualifies you for what God has for you. And as much as I was wrestling about, like, okay, what does this mean for Trinity Center? What does this mean for us? As soon as God gave me this word of John 4.37, that actually, it's not for your benefit, it was for His. It's like the, the weight just lifted. Because I understood that God had actually asked us to step out to start something that would be for His benefit. And it was just to, to create a space where actually you can have a fruitful and effective ministry. And it's not just Barry, it's Rebecca as well. It's, we used to have a joke where she would like, make good life choices. It's like, 
when Rebecca first like joined our life group many years ago, it was like she had gone through rough things, and it, it's like probably one of the, the biggest like testimonies of God's grace is just the transformation I've seen in Rebecca. She's come from a broken place, not purely of her own doing, but some. (laughs) (laughs) But I've seen her just flourish into fiery, prophetic woman of God that won't let Barry settle for anything short of what he is called to and what they are called to together. And when I realized, like, actually it was for their futures of what they are going to be led into, there was a peace that, like, flooded my heart of, like, actually, like, I know you might, might have joined here because of us or, like, a connection to us. And, but actually, you are following God. And you are part of Trinity Central, not part of Andrew and Michelle's church. And it won't be Barry and Rebecca's church. You're part of Trinity Central and you're following God our Father. And He has a future for you. And when I realized that, it's actually, I was at peace. Because I've seen how God has weaved this together. And there is change and there is discomfort and but the reality is that's always how God works. Where He has to like, disturb us because we might be too comfortable. And He has to challenge us because that's the only way we actually grow and step into the fullness of what He has for us. And for us, that means leaving this incredible place. Um, and I just want to share like, what God has shown us yeah, even for there, because like we've always said, you don't move unless God tells you. There's no other reason, like, or at least for us. It's like it's God or it's nothing. Um, and so, um, yeah, um, we're just looking at stats. Only 29% of the population in Australia believes in a God. Not even Christian, just a God. Compared to like um, South Africa, which is 80%. Um, and so like walking into that kind of environment and knowing what we're up against, because my kids are so they're safe, they're in a Christian school here, it's wonderful, they have amazing friends, and I'm like, what am I taking them into? And um, God gave me a dream um, where we were in this old house and we were like fixing it up, and then I looked up and I saw this um, chapel, it was like a chapel actually, because it had stained glass, and so I hadn't realized that. I just thought it was a house, but it was actually a chapel. And then as we were, like, fixing it up, I just started to sing. And as I sang a line, the Spirit just, like, overwhelmed me in the dream. It was almost like the angels were saying, this is what it was made for, this place. And before I knew it, it was just this, like, it was like a chorus rose and it was the closest thing to heaven I've ever experienced. It was just this people, it was just like worship just rose up. And then all of a sudden there were all these young people and they were worshiping. And it was like this, this is what my house was made for. And I felt like God say, restore my house to a house of true worship. Um, and then in the corner, I saw this guy just dressed all in black. And he looked so scary. And I, I recognized immediately that this was the devil. 
And I had to go and wrestle him, and it was so scary. And I just, the whole time I was racing him, I was like, you will not get these people. I need to fight for them and their freedom. And I wrestled him and wrestled him until he left. And God gave me um, Isaiah 61, verse 1, which says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, but specifically to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And so he spoke to me about worship and freedom. And then later on, he spoke to me um, from that Paul and Silas song that I mentioned um, before. I think when I preached or something. And the lyrics go, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed inside that prison, singing hymns to God. The prisoners listened. Little did they know what would come next. All of a sudden, the earth began to quake. The foundation of that jail began to shake. The doors flung open. The chains of all the prisoners came loose. And when I heard it, it hit me. It's like they were singing songs, worshiping God, and freedom came for people. And I feel like that is what Andrew and I called to over there. It's like I don't know how and I don't know what it's going to look like, but we are supposed to be bringing back true worship to his house. And there's a, in, in their cities, they're just... Hundreds of like um, denominational churches and things that are not being used, and it's like almost like God is blowing the dust off of them, and He wants to re- revive them. You know, He wants His churches to be alive with like worship and filled with His song again. And um, yeah, and just I think there's so much like bondage. I mean, everywhere, but specifically there. Like, the people's lives there may seem easy, but their minds and their hearts are like, they have strongholds. And I think God is going to use us to bring freedom somehow. Um, And even our kids, I mean, I had a dream when Eva was letting these children out of prison. She was just getting them to freedom. And like God has given us like words and visions for them. If even as kids, they get, he's going to use them in their schools and in their friends. And they're going to bring the gospel to one kid at a time. I mean, the other day Eva was praying, like, God, what about Australia? Like, she just, she's wrestling with a whole lot of stuff. And she just wanted a sign. And, and um, previously God had given us Psalm 18, verse 19. And it's like her verse. And it said... Um, he will bring your feet into a spacious place because he delights in you. And, um, and that was her verse. And so when she prayed to God for a sign, he said to her, read page 502 of your Bible. She read the whole page, and right at the end of the page was her verse, Psalm 18, verse 19. And I mean, it was just a sign and a confirmation to her, like, yes, God, you're speaking to me, you're going to do this. And it's like, yeah, those are the things that encourage me. And she said to me that she's an ex-teacher. Yeah. She's an ex-teacher. She just um, That's she just retired and she's gone to visit the kids. And she said it's so amazing they're actually calling for retired teachers to come back to actually share their experience and knowledge mm. with the newer, younger teachers. And she said, but you know what, even if I was a citizen and I could apply, 
I don't think I want to teach his children. She said, they are so rebellious. They are so rude. They are just, it just seems like they're beyond help. And then she said that on the news every day, there's something about teenagers, some violence, where knives, guns, accidents, all kinds of horrible stuff. And, and, you know, she was just painting the dark picture. And while you guys were talking, you know, I was just thinking, no, 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 I'm not rejecting Barry and, and Rebecca. We're embracing them. But this was, this was just like, ha, we've come home. Now you're taking the door off. But anyway, I just want to say, Australia needs you. Brisbane especially. This is where my friend is. This is where she's hearing all of these things. They need you. might not be easy. But we'll support you in prayer. And we, I release you. And I embrace Barry and Rebecca. Because it's true what you say. This is God's church. See sheep, not yours. But we love you. It'll be difficult to stand on the shore and wave the ship goodbye. <laughs> but I salute you for always asking God for the next step and then to be brave enough to take that step. And you are more than qualified. More, more than you ever can dream or think or hope. I just want to, <laughs> am I allowed to say something? <laughs> if you think you're crying and sad, you must think about us. That's our whole retirement plan down the drain. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, no, you know, about four years ago, Andrew wanted to buy the house, and I said, no, I don't want you tied to a bond because I want you to be free to do what God wants to do. And this thing goes back a long, long way. Stephen prayed in Mozambique, and he was getting one, two, three, one, two, three. God speaks to me in numbers. I can't, he can tell you that. But, and it was the, the different continents. And we've done the one, two, three, and then he said three, four, five. And um, it's like from long ago that God has been speaking to us and telling us, and we've traveled. Just, and I know exactly how you feel. I rode down the, the road one day in Cape Town. I said, God, I love this place. This is where I want to stay. We were gone within four months. I'm like, wow, you know. So for me, it's like this is, this is the last step on our list. We were prophesied in 94 we would go. And we'd travel, and we'd end up, we would go to Russia, and the last place on the list is Australia. And we've also had dreams and confirmations. And just three weeks ago, I said, God, I just need a random confirmation from somebody that doesn't know anything. And two days later, I got a WhatsApp message from a friend that I knew in Mozambique that's now doing prophetic ministry in America. And she said, I don't even know if this is your number. I haven't spoken to her in years. And she just said, I had a vision of you this morning, packing boxes. 
and a stamp out of heaven with a smile on his face coming to stamp the boxes. She says, I think you're moving. And it was like random confirmation from somebody who knows nothing about what we're wrestling with. And we have moved from place to place, and it's never easy. And it's never easy to be left behind. We have to wrestle with what's for us now. But I, I take such pride and joy to know that my sons have, have done that. We've done that. We've traveled our whole lives following God, and it's not easy. Ask Ethel, going to a new place is not easy. It's one of the hardest things you do. And one of the hardest things to do is also to stay behind and keep building and keep finding. But I believe that we're, we're, there are times and there's seasons in God. And you, you know, Ephesians says you must recognize the times. What is God wanting for you now? What is he wanting for you to do, to commit to, to be, where, what? There are always times when you have to stop and say, God, what is the next thing for me? Am I building? Am I doing? Am I doing this? And I believe we're in a time like that. And when I was praying last night, it was like God showed me. You know those things they have for little kids? Those balls where they have shapes. You know those little shapes? And the kids have got to like work out which shape fits into which little hole. And, and it only fits into one little oxy, what, what are they called? Penty, whatever. And God said to me that Andrew and Michelle... He has designed them specifically for a place in Australia. And he will take them and he will place them in that specific place. And he said it's, they're going to be like bulbs. You know, bulbs you place under the ground and they just stay there. And then at the right season, they just pop up everywhere. If you, if you go to England, there's daffodils. They just pop up everywhere. And then God said to me, Barry and Rebecca, he says, you have, you're like deep, deep wells of water. There's a depth in you of God that you've yet to tap into. And this place will be a place of restoration, of reconciliation. It's like almost like, you know, people go to healing springs to sit in the water and get the cure. And God said, people will come here. And rest in that water in you, that you will pour out and it will wash them and of all the yuck from the world and it will restore them. And some will come and some will go and some will stay. And it will be a place of restoration and reconciliation. So guys, I know it's hard. Believe me, I don't even want to think about it. The good news is they're not leaving just yet. <laughs> it's a process, so you can get used to the idea. I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. Believe me, it's going to be hard, hard, hard. But it's God. It's really God. I mean, our son has sat in England for a year weeping because he's left his family behind. But he knows it's God, you know. And that is the call on the Shipley's lives. Doing, touching different continents, touching different people. And we have to obey what God has put in our hearts, no matter how hard it is. So we will cry and we will say goodbye. Genesis 11 verse 27. 
Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The names of his wives were Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishak. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. So they left the valley of fire and light to go into the land of promise. But when they came to Haran, the city of the future, the city of the intersection, the city of the crossroads, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in that city. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. I read that not to say that that's us, but there's something of us and there's something of that for each and every person. And the way that you handle this like transition or this challenge of like I don't know what the, the future holds for each and every one of you, but I'm committed to working that out with you. We're not leaving and like for at least what three, four months. <laughs> it's like that's the timeline that we've got. But we want to journey with each and every one of you to help you understand that this is this is what God is doing, and we believe that it's the best future for each and every one of you. We would not be leaving if that wasn't the case. So Lord, uh, like my mom said, this is hard. This is giving up something that seemed to be the start of something so precious. And I believe it's actually just going to go on from here for, to strength to strength. Lord, I pray that you would show each and every person what it means for them to say yes to you to step into the future with you, to not to settle at something that is short of what God is doing, but actually step into the fullness of the future that you have for them. They would be blessed to be a blessing for those that feel called to go or those that feel called to stay. Those, Lord, I pray that you place a conviction in their heart as to what you have for them, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you have anything else? Okay. Because we're going long. I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I just, I just want to say that we love everyone here. Sorry. Hello. Yes, we love you. Um, every person, every person is deep, deep in our hearts. Like we think about you and we pray for you. And when you're going through something like, you can ask Granny, we sit in the flat and we all cry and pray together for you. You know, and we, we like warfare for you. And we just, when we hear something is working or going well, or someone gets a job, we celebrate with you. So um, just know that, know that we love you so much. And um, like we're not under any illusion that this is not difficult for everyone. And so whatever you're feeling, you know, sad, angry, hurt, disappointed, Come and chat to, maybe you don't want to chat to us, but chat to someone 
that you trust here, like just talk it out that we can pray with you or something, you know, like the worst would be if you just keep it all inside and feel sad on your own. It's like, this is, those are moments where the devil just loves to like derail you. And it's like, don't let him destroy all the work that he's done in, in you. And it's like, just come, come and have a conversation. You can be angry at us. That's fine. We can handle it. Like, and you know, we'll, we'll work it out together and we'll pray. Like, don't be afraid. Um, yeah, like Andrew and I have had a lot thrown at us, so we can we can handle it. We'll be fine. So I'm just saying, like, don't keep it to yourself. And you know, if you need to chat with Amy, then chat with Amy or Baron Rebecca or mm. Warren or whoever. Like, okay. you can talk to people here. It's not a taboo thing where you're not allowed to be sad and you're not allowed to show emotion. It's like bring the emotions. God gave you emotions, and be angry and do not sin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Father, I just want to celebrate who you are and just thank you that you're so good to us, even in the hard stuff that you're with us, that you never leave us, that we can always, yeah, fall into your arms when we, yeah, just emotionally when we feel kept, physically when we feel kept, financially when we feel kept, and we can just come and just, just into your arms, just like that. And we can unload our burdens and cast our cares on you and walk with you and that you never leave us. No matter what we're going through, you're always right there, holding our hands, leading and guiding us, Father God. And I just pray, yeah, for a peace for everyone, that there wouldn't be a, a turmoil and an anxiety, but just a peace. Um, and I just pray for such an enormous blessing on Trinity Central, Father God. Pour out your spirit on each and every one of your beautiful people here. You love them with a love that we will never understand and you treasure them and you're pursuing them. God, help them to open up their hearts to you more than ever before and pour out your blessing. Pour out your grace like they've never known. And Father, if there's things that you're speaking to people about now, they've heard our story and there's something in their heart where it's like God's telling me to do something. Speak to them. Confirm it. Show them. Lead them. Guide them, Father God. You only want what's best for every person here, Father God. And I just thank you. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.